You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Hey guys, let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Just have a little small devotional, won't keep you too long. I guys want you to take this time to have your talk time and as much as we can. This is the last day for winter camp. It's, it's bittersweet, it's bittersweet. But I uh, have been studying this study uh, for a while now. I've been praying about it, and um, I'm ready to dive into this. Um, Genesis chapter 3 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for this morning. We, uh, we pray that you would open our hearts, our, our eyes, our ears to what you have to say to us this morning, and we thank you for your word. We just thank you for this opportunity we have to get away again for this camp. I pray that you bless this last day. And uh, we thank you so much for what you've done and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, who grew up or still plays this game called hide-and-seek? Everyone knows hide-and-seek. I mean, it was a, it's a childhood memory. And who still plays it? Who still loves it? Okay. All right. It's not a five-year-old game. Adults can play this too. And adults can play it well. Um, I, growing up, my family and I, uh, we all played hide-and-seek. I played hide-and-seek with my friends, and uh, I was pretty good at it. Um, you know, there, there's always someone that's really good, and you can never find them. And there's always someone that just never can hide well. And it sometimes just goes behind a curtain, like we don't see you, with your, with your hands just sticking out. And, they just, and, you know, little kids, like two-year-olds and three-year-olds, you act like, where are you? And they just start giggling. <laughs> you can't find me. Oh, where, where are you? And they just, they really think that you don't know where they are. And, it's, and then when they get around five to ten years old, they really try hard. And then you act like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a little harder. I'll, I'll, I'll try to find them. And then they're just in a cupboard or maybe in the refrigerator or in the dryer. Um, I've never done that. But, uh, then, and then they get to teenage age, and if they still wanting to play, if they, if they still think it's cool, Let's play hide-and-seek, guys. Actually, I don't know what teenager says to another teenager. Let, guys, let's play hide-and-seek. It's, it, maybe not. 
So if you are a teenager who still loves to play, you'll, you'll try your best to hide. Growing up, I, I was pretty good, but I would just do it a different way. Like I would, if I was the seeker and I would count to 10 or 20 or whatever and have everyone hide, I, I would go hide myself. I would go hide. And they would just sit there like, where is he? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk. I would just go find a place to hide. I just thought it was funny, and I'd be like, let's just, I'm just going to get them. They, they don't know what's going to go on. They would wait for minutes. It turned into hours, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. But they, they were just like, what is going on? Hello? And then I would, they would come out, and I'd find them, and I'd win. And it, a little deceiving, a little tricky, but I, I just wanted to, I, I just like to spice up some games. Sometimes when we play games, they get so boring. So I like to spice it up and just, you know, add in my little jokes or whatever, and what we just read in Genesis chapter 3 is the first time man has played hide-and-seek. This is the first hide-and-seek game we see in all creation. But it's man not hiding from man. It's man hiding from God. And uh, God is probably the best at hide-and-seek, I'm guessing. Um, you can't really hide from God. And in this story, we see a person named Adam and his wife Eve that God has made in the garden. And this is the, after all the six days of creation have completed, God has rested, and now um, Adam and his wife Eve are in the garden, enjoying um, the garden and what God has done, enjoying creation, the animals, everything's perfect, this is paradise, and uh, all of a sudden this serpent comes, we know it as, as the devil or Satan, and he's here on earth, and he, uh, he wants nothing to do with God's creation, and so he says, well, if I can't, uh, you know get God to see it my way, I'm going to just start deceiving his creation. And he goes to the woman, and uh, he starts deceiving. And he asks, what did, what did God really say to you? You know, did God really tell you the truth? You know, do, do you really believe what God just said? Now, I always grew up thinking, like, why wouldn't the woman be freaked out with this snake talking to her? It's a snake talking to this woman, wouldn't the woman be like, "What is this, Doctor Doolittle, or something?" You're just you're talking to me. Now, maybe maybe in those times, animals talked. I don't know. We weren't there. One day we'll find out. Maybe the serpent deceives the woman. Her husband Adam also eats of the fruit, and they're both now naked, and they and they're ashamed, and they see their sin. Now they they. Their perfect state of where they have been has been broken. And sin has now crept into the world and it would forever tarnish the human race. Until one day Jesus will come back in his perfect kingdom and, and establish his, his holy kingdom here on earth. And then one day make a new heaven and new earth and start all over. With no sin, no Satan. But in this time, this is the first time sin crept into the world. And the man and, the, and his wife hid from the Lord. They hid. And there's three things, the who, what, and where, I'm, yeah, um, that we just read here in chapter 3. God asks the man and the woman, he asks, where are you? Number two, he asks, who told you? And number three, he says, what is this you've done? And I love this. God doesn't already start accusing them. He knows what they've done. God is the best to hide and seek again. It wasn't like God didn't know where they were. And it wasn't like Adam and Eve hid and they would think they could get away from God. And then God comes and he's like, where did they go? Adam, where are you? Adam, come back. 
God knew where they were. He wasn't dumb. So why would he ask them, where are you? Because I believe he was giving them a chance to confess what they've done. He was giving them choice. And I love how God asks three questions. He doesn't start accusing and accusing. He asks three questions to have them confess what they've done. And that first one is, where are you? And that's found in verse 9. It says, but the Lord God called, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam and Eve know what they've done. They've sinned. Their eyes are open now. They see the sin that's crept into this world, and they start hiding. They start hiding. And the Lord says, where are you? And Adam says in verse 10, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So Adam comes out. He says, all right, Lord, you found me. Look, the reason I was hiding is I, I heard you coming, and, I'm, and I was naked, so I hid. And then God asks another question. Well, wait a minute, who told you were naked? And once, once more, God is not asking because he doesn't know. God knows. But again, he's giving them choice to confess. He's allowing them to confess. And I love how God still asks us today. He won't start accusing us when we've done something wrong. He'll probably ask us, he'll probably nudge us, say, what are, what are, what are you up to? What's going on? Where are you with me? And Adam confesses. And Adam was truthful. Now, in, the, in that time, when there was perfect harmony, the, they were naked. There was no need for clothing. Um, we're all wearing clothes now because this is a fallen world, and we are ashamed of nakedness. And it's just, you know, God created us to run free and wild and be naked. And, and so I'm not, again, we're, don't want to get off too much of a tangent, but, uh, you know, they, they realized our eyes are open we're naked, something's wrong, this isn't right. All we've known is naked is good, now naked's bad. And God says, well, who told you you were naked? He's asking him again. Did you eat from the tree that, of the garden that I told you not to eat from? And Adam says this, I love this answer. He says uh, in verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. He starts accusing God. God, no, this is not my fault. This woman you put in my life, she gave it to me. She did this. It's all her fault. Look how the guy already starts blaming the woman. Nothing's changed in this world. It goes back and forth. The woman will blame the man. The man starts blaming the woman. We just cannot take blame for ourselves. That's just the pride of man. Man loves pride. He loves himself. God, look, this is not my fault. This woman... Her, she did it. I, I just, why did you do this to me? She did this. She sinned, and, I was, and, and, I, and she deceived me. And he starts accusing. And the Lord goes to Eve. And he says in verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? He asks her a question too. And she points to the serpent. It's almost just like they just keep pointing, pointing. Adam, what'd you do? Uh, the, the woman, Eve, you, she did it. Eve, what did you do? The, the serpent, he did it. The serpent had nowhere to point. So God says, okay, serpent, we'll start with you. We'll start cur- cursing. It just kept going. No one likes to take the blame. Our human nature has not changed. There's too much pride. There's too much just, we're puffed up. We don't want to uh, confess what we've done is wrong. But those three things that God points out, where are you, who told you, and what is this you've done, he's asking them questions that leads to confession. Confession of sin and confession of something that's done wrong. 
God always asks us to give us a chance to confess. Where are we in our spiritual walk with God? Where are you? Where am I? Where are we right now? Number one, in our spiritual walk with God. God may be asking us today, this weekend at camp, where are you with me? In this race that we're running, that we talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, there comes a point where God may nudge you and ask you, look, where are you now? Are you hiding from me? Or are you seeking my face? There's only two options. We can't be in the middle. And secondly, are we hiding from God because of sin? And in John chapter 3, verse 20, I'll just read it to you. It says this. John chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus said this. He's talking to Nicodemus. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. I love that. Verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. This is what Adam did. And isn't this interesting? God is light. The Bible tells us God is light. And he comes in, light comes into the garden and asks, where are you? Fear that Adam's deed will be exposed. He knows what he's done, so he hides. And Jesus says plainly, look, men love the darkness. We're not prone to love light. We're prone to, to love ourselves. We're prone to wander into this world instead of seeking his face. And so, in fear of our deeds being exposed because of what we've done, Jesus says, look, man hates the light, and he clings to evil, he clings to darkness, because he doesn't want his deeds to be exposed. When you're in the darkness... Nothing's visible. When light comes in, everything's exposed. Just like cockroaches. Cockroaches love the night. They always just love in the night. And then when you shine a flashlight on them, they run away. I don't know if they make that noise, but I hate cockroaches. Um, and uh, they're just little evil demons, I've, I think. They, just, they, they, they love the darkness. Light's on them. They scurry. They run away. It's just in our spiritual life. If we are doing something that's wrong and we know of it, we're hiding, we're harboring sin in our life, We need to let that go. We need to confess it when God asks us, where are you? Where are you with me? What have you done? Confess it. I want to take it. I want to forgive you. But he gives us choice. We have to confess. He's not going to force anything upon us. And so are we the type that are hiding that Jesus is saying in chapter 3 of John for fear that our deeds may be exposed? But Jesus says this in 21, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So Adam confessed. He came into the light. He saw God and he said, look, God, I I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked. And I know why I'm naked. It's because sin came into this world. And I know what I've done is wrong. And I hid. It's just human nature. Nothing's changed. Or are we seeking him and his righteousness? Again, there's two options. You're either the hider or you're the seeker. You're either hiding from God because you know you've done something wrong and you're afraid that God's going to condemn you and just rain lightning bolts on you for what you've done. Again, what we talked about last night, God is a loving God. He'll discipline us when we need it, but he's also a God of love. He is love. So his first priority, his first in his nature and his character is love. He wants us to confess, though, firsthand. So you're either hiding from God because you're afraid your deeds may be exposed or you're seeking him in his righteousness. 
And Psalm 27.8 says this. You can write that down. Psalm 27.8. David writes this. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. There are two types of people in the Bible. There are two types of people right now in this room. There are two types of people out there in the world. There's, all, there's either someone that's hiding from the Lord, either re- in rebellion or either because of fear, or there's someone that's running to the Lord. I'm running to your arms, that song we sing. I want to seek your face. We're either hiding or we're the seeker. You choose. I have to choose. I have to make a choice. Whether I want to hide my deeds, fear that they be exposed, or whether I come into light, God forgives me of my sin, and I seek his face and his righteousness. There's two options we have to choose from. Am I the one hiding, or am I the one seeking God and his face? You can read the Psalms all you want. I love, when you do your talk time, if you got, when you guys go out to do your talk time today, read, read Psalm. Read, read the book of Psalms. Read Psalm 27, what I just read, that verse, I will seek your face. David always confessed. I love, I love David's character. David was just a human being just like us. He was the most powerful king, powerful man in the world at that time. And yet he was human. Because he would fall into sin. There was consequences for sin. But God forgave him. Why? Because David confessed he was a sinner and he asked for forgiveness. He, re- he was always repentant. And I pray that we will always have that kind of characteristic as David had. Because we're all human. None of us are perfect. The Bible says that. There's no one perfect. There's no one righteous. No, not one. And Jeremiah says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Above all else, who can know it? Our hearts are always wicked. We have a human nature. We have a fallen sin nature. But when Jesus comes into your heart, the sin nature doesn't go away. Because when you become a Christian, you're, you're not a perfect Christian. We still fall into sin. We still mess up. But it's the power of Christ in us that can help us overcome any evil, any evil sin or temptation. And so are we hiding from the Lord? If you're hiding from the Lord because of afraid of something you don't want to confess or something you don't want anyone to know, the Bible also says this. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. It doesn't just say confess your sins to the Lord, although, although that is what our first priority should be. But to, as the church body, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the Bible does say confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. It's okay to confess sins to one another. And in, in response to that, we should be praying for each other. We shouldn't be hiding I think a lot of people think like, maybe I'm the only one who's struggling with this. Maybe I'm the only one who's done this. No one else knows what I'm going through. That's always baloney from the devil himself. He always wants to put that look in your head. This is, this is what you're going through. No one knows what you're going through. Don't even bother confessing this to anybody. Don't even bother praying to the Lord. That's the first thing he did to Adam and Eve. Did God really tell you you couldn't eat from that tree? Did he really say that you could be like him or, or not be like him or no good and evil? Are you, are you sure that's what God said? He is, he's always asking the deceiving questions, trying to twist our mind. But God is always asking the questions so that we confess our sins.
because he is faithful and just to forgive us, the Bible tells us. God is always ready to forgive. He doesn't want us to be in hiding. In the game of hide and seek, he doesn't want us to be the ones hiding. He wants us to be the ones seeking him. Seeking him first. And in this race, what we talked about being disciplined by the Lord and disciplining your, your mind and your eyes to focus on Jesus. In this race, I want to ask you right now, where are you with the Lord? When God asked that to Adam, where are you? Again, it wasn't just physically, where are you? Like God didn't know. He knew. It was a spiritual question. Where are you in relation to me? What just happened? What are you doing, Adam? Eve, what have you done? He may be asking you right now, where are you? Where are you in relation to me? I always need to check my heart. Where am I, Lord? Have I drifted? Do I need to confess some sin? Have I been harboring some bitterness or pride or anger towards somebody or something that's going on in my life? He wants us to confess. And he wants us to seek his face. But I know a lot of people think that, well, if I confess it, he's going to be so angry with me, it's, it's never going to be the same. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says that about God. God is always ready to have his arms open and receive us unto him. He wants us to accept him into our hearts because he wants to have a relationship with us. When he created Adam and Eve, it was for relationship purposes. It was for fellowship. It was for communion with God. But when sin came in, that broke it. And there was that gap now between a holy God and a sinful man. And it's been like that ever since. But God is still asking the question to you and to me and to the people out there in the real world. The people that, I know, that don't know God. God may be tapping on their hearts. Look, where are you? Where are you in relation to me? And when you leave this place, remember not to neglect that. Because God's going to ask you, who told you this and that? Who told you you weren't a child of God? Or what is this you have done? Confess it. Or where are you in relation to me? Where are you right now? Are you drifting? Are you staying on the right path? Don't be a hider. Be a seeker. Seek his face and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray. In this talk time, this is going to be the last talk time we're going to have of this camp. Take the time seriously. Be by yourself. Get alone with the Lord. Seek his face. He's always ready to accept whatever sin you want to confess. He's always ready to forgive us. Confess any sin you've been harboring. If there's a sin towards another brother and sister in this room, confess it to them. Ask for prayer. Pray for me. I'm sorry I did this. Don't be like Adam, and the first thing you do is, if you've done something wrong, I've got to hide it. I've got to go. I've got to run. I can't let the Lord see this. I can't let anyone know about this. When we confess our sins, it is such a freeing of this weight lifted off our shoulders that is just unexplainable. Don't you feel so free when you just confess something and someone's like, I'll pray for you. It's all right. You just feel feel so free. When a lot of people harbor sin and it's weighing on their shoulders, they become a slave to sin and they're walking around with chains and shackles that the Lord has broken already when he died on the cross. 
Do we understand this? When, the, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he broke that. He broke sin and death. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered the grave so that we no longer have to hold on to this weight of sin on our backs and carry it wherever we, wherever we go. We can let it go. We can run free. What Jesus Christ has done for us, he did it himself. He broke the chains of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are now children of God if you're in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.